Hi, I'm Elizabeth Benoist, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Carly Lane. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the season two episode of the show titled Distant Sun. But first, let's get to the news. Supergirl is taking a three-week break. The next new episode will air on April 24th. Yeah, I was kind of shocked. I, I, I assumed that there would be some breaks every now and then, but a three-week break is pretty long. So uh, I guess we have to wait uh, almost another month to see what happens in the next episode. But um, I, I guess in some ways that's that's good for us. We can have a little bit of break. I don't know if you'd be into this, Carly, but we do need to catch up on some Supergirl rebirth issues. We do so, need to do that. So, so maybe we could take a little bit of a podcasting break, and maybe I'll, I'll get you and Morgan to talk about some comics with me because we do need to catch up. Yeah, I'm behind on I'm behind on comics. Period. Me too. Uh, I think the only the only comics I've been reading recently are the new Archie uh, comics, and but that's pretty much it. And even that, I've kind of <laughs> fallen off fallen <laughs> off the wagon on. So I gotta. I got to get back on for comics. Yeah, same, same here. So I, I can't make any promises about Supergirl Radio episodes during the break, but maybe we can can work in some episodes here and there to fill in the gap uh, since that is such a long break. But just FYI, new Supergirl episodes are not going to be back until April 24th. Are they going to re-air old episodes in place or is it going to air something else so, in the time slot? Uh, when, when looking at the futoncritic.com, it looks like the next two weeks will, uh, they'll be airing Mr. and Mrs. Mixias Pitalik next week. And then the week after that is a re-airing of Homecoming. And then the third week, it says repeat TBA. So I guess they will decide what they want to re-air, uh, at that okay. point. Uh, but it looks like they are going to re-air Mr. and Mrs. Mixia's Pitalik and Homecoming before episode 18 airs. So, uh, until, you know, we, we've got those coming up, uh, got those re-airings and episode 18, but let's talk about the season two episode of Supergirl titled Distant Sun, which aired this week. And here's the official description of this episode. Quote, a large bounty is put out on Supergirl, and aliens from far and near attack National City intent on taking out the Woman of Steel. Alex and Maggie run into Maggie's ex-girlfriend Emily, guest star Haley Sales, 
who is in town for a week. Hank gets an interesting order from President Marsden, guest star Linda Carter, unquote. So, Carly, uh, we got this whole storyline of somebody putting out a bounty on Supergirl, trying to track her down. So what did you think about uh, the person who was in charge of that bounty, who put this out on Supergirl? What did you think about Queen Rhea in this episode? So I love Queen Rhea. I think for me, it's been really fun and unexpectedly so to see Terry Hatcher just fully lean into being the evil queen. Um, (laughs) Because I, I don't know what I really expected from the Daxum royal family storyline. I was kind of feeling meh about it in general. Um, I didn't really think it was going to make the turns that it has. Uh, so the fact that like Queen Rhea is trying to kill Kara and then doubles down on it when they when she call she basically uh, she basically puts out the bounty on Supergirl and then doubles down on it when she tries to kill her with the Kryptonian, uh, the uh, Kryptonite daggers. So I was like, well, you know, she probably figures like if you if people aren't going to get anything done, like you want it done right, you got to do it yourself, right? Right. Because right. <laughs> that's the only um, that's the only time where Monel actually agrees to go back to Daxum is when he's pretty convinced that his mom is basically going to murder Kara. So, um, and she tries to, she tries to stab her multiple times with those things. Oh, she doesn't just try. She actually stabs Supergirl in the leg. Yeah. No, she succeeded. Yeah. So she, I, I, I appreciate so much like the fight scenes, even, um, the second one where they're on the Daxum ship and, uh, Queen Rhea kind of steps down off her throne and just whips the like whips the little daggers into her hand. It's so it's so good. Uh, Terry Hatcher is just fully like she's just fully playing up the the villain role, and I I love it so much. It's great. Yeah, she's she's been really good, and I like that she's getting to play against what most people in the Superman Supergirl fandom would know her as like she's not playing a good character she's playing a very evil um very violent character and she really is digging deep into it and i i really buy her as this as this woman who is going to do whatever it takes to get her son back so i i think she's doing a, a fantastic job acting wise I'm i'm totally buying it and I was curious because I don't know about you, but I some of those shots when Queen Rhea and King Largan are on the Daxmite ship, because they did have a little bit. Uh, they had a Star Wars nod in there when Monel uh, tells when that he looks a little short for a stormtrooper. <laughs> um, did you get any like Star Wars vibes with C- Queen Rhea with like the the all black and kind of the cape looking? attire and her staring out of the window of the ship like i i got some like empire feels from that yeah it's interesting because i think there there's a lot like i think didn't you mention a lot of her feels very much like zod uh oh zod like zod light maybe um you know and she and even her outfit like she's got she's got like the breastplate 
kind of leather armor on top. It, it, it was almost funny because it, next to next to Queen Rhea, like King Largan kind of looked underdressed. <laughs> now, it's like he looks like he's wearing sweatpants. And then you cut to him <laughs> standing next to her and she and Rhea's got, you know, the the leather the leather breastplate and the crown and the cape and she's all, you know, she like even the even just the the scene of the two of them visiting Monel in the alien bar and she just looks so out of place there. It's hysterical. Yeah, I can I can see that because he he could maybe fit in a little bit mm-hmm. because he had something that was a little closer to what Earthlings might wear, but she was she was dressed pretty over the top for the unnamed alien bar. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty funny. When when they showed up in that bar, I was like, oh, my gosh, they are in the bar. I got really excited about that. It was ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, that was really funny. And you mentioned how very Man of Steel Zod she is. Like, there are a lot of things that they are, like, straight up ripping off of General Zod. But you know what? I'm not even mad about it. I'm not even mad about it. If you're going to steal something from a good villain... I'm totally okay with you stealing from uh, Michael Shannon's General Zod. But she, in this episode, she says, quote, I I crossed an ocean of stars looking for my son, unquote. And that's something, I mean, basically General Zod says that straight up, I crossed an ocean of stars. Um, There's even, like, uh, in her, like, introduction to Earth with the static on the monitors, that's very Mm -hmm. General Zod. And I even thought when she uh, kills Largan at the end of this episode, it was very much like how General Zod kills Jor-El. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert. Um, <laughs> I probably should have said spoiler alert before I said that. My apologies. Uh, but <laughs> uh, General Zod kills Jor-El with uh, kind, of, kind of a knife situation. So they're, they're ripping on... Uh, General Zod, but I but I think she's she's done a, a good job to make it her own. Do you think though that's a ripoff, or do you think like I would see that more as like an homage to the character? But they're kind of putting their own spin on it a little bit. It might be, but the fact that they're using they're using like verbatim dialogue and visuals that are very similar, I, I guess I guess there is a distinction there, but. I mean, they're they're basically like taking something from right. another adaptation and throwing it into their story, which I'm I'm fine. I mean, they've done. A yeah, lot. I actually think it's cool that some of the the TV stuff is is I guess in some ways, like you mentioned, paying homage to the movies because I I do I do love both, and so it's kind of cool to see how they interact. But yeah, I mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's a coincidence, especially with the dialogue, like you said, because I mean, I wouldn't have picked up on that. But I think for people who are fans of the movies, it's probably something they put in there to kind of like, you know, wink at the movie, the movie version, like the Superman, you know, a different version of the Superman mythos. That's kind of cool. Well, I caught on very closely to the I I Crossed an Ocean of Stars because Mm -hmm. that is featured in like one of my favorite trailers of all time. There's a Mm -hmm. Man of Steel trailer. uh, It's titled Fate of Fate of Your Planet, I think is what it's called. It's like the coolest trailer ever. Like I love it so much. So um, it just is just that that trailer is like on its its own work of art. Like sometimes I just go back and watch it just to see it. Like because it's it's cool. But uh, yeah, no, I th- I thought Rhea was awesome, and I liked the fact that she has her own signature 
weaponry. Um, it was kind of, I felt like, a little bit uh, convenient for her to have the kryptonite, but they, they do kind of explain it there. So I mm-hmm. guess I guess I'll go with that. I did love her line, though, when she she provides, I mean, she basically provided the explanation for why she'd have them, but didn't she say something like, my planet is littered with the corpse of yours oh, yeah, or something that like that? was, it was gross. like, oh, But it was, it's such a, it's, it's a disturbing image, but it's such a good, like, it's such a good way to describe it. You're like, ooh, it's yeah. true, though. And it's a good villain so, thing for yeah, her to say. Just that visual. It is, it's a, it's, but it's nice visual imagery because you just think about, like, shards of kryptonite that are just raining down on Daxum. Like, yeah. that's kind of cool. I don't know. I'm a sucker for, I'm a sucker for good language. It's <laughs> <Just laughs> the English major in me. I can imagine. You're such a good writer. You're, you're, you have a better a grasp of vocabulary and words than I do, which I envy a lot. Right. Um, or the fact that I think, I think at one point she says, she refers to um, Kara and Monel's relationship as a tryst. Yeah, like that's, <laughs> that's basically her way of saying, you know, like, like I, you know, this isn't a serious relationship. A little, yeah. little tryst with Kara, with your <laughs> Kryptonian girlfriend or whatever she says. <laughs> she had a lot of good lines this this episode. She did. She did. And what I got kind of excited about was that I think this is and listeners can call me out on this is if this is incorrect. But I think this was Terry Hatcher's first time in a Fortress of Solitude. Mm. because on Lois and Clark, Dean Cain's Superman did not have a Fortress of Solitude like we know it. The only time I remember a Fortress of Solitude being referenced was his, like, Clark Kent's playhouse, like, treehouse. Mm. That was his Fortress of Solitude. And even when Terry Hatcher was on Smallville, she was Lois's mother, so she was like on a video, you know, a pre-taped message. Right, right. So, she wouldn't have had the reason to be. So she, so, so I was like, oh my gosh, is this Terry Hatcher? Is this Lois Lane's first time <laughs> in the fortress? Like that was, that was actually pretty exciting for me. I thought that was pretty cool. And it, and I, I enjoy every time they, they have Terry Hatcher talking about Kryptonians and referencing something about their culture. Just because in some ways, like, I think it's like this little wink to the audience, or at least to me as an audience member that like she's talking about Kryptonians when she was on a show where she was the love interest of a Kryptonian. Some of that stuff I I know is really kind of silly, but I have really been enjoying that. Um, anytime she takes a a dig at the Kryptonians, but I did enjoy that fortress scene, uh, tremendously. And I think what's sad about the whole situation is that Kara, Kara was so naive in this episode. I I know her heart was in the right place, and I I know that she says and does what she says and does because she's seen the change in Monel, and she knows that you know that we've talked about it on Supergirl Radio that he kind of started off as a piece of crap uh, when he was on Daxum Daxum, and now he's turned into a guy who's trying to better himself, who tries to make it up to his girlfriend by getting up and making breakfast and doing the laundry, which I totally appreciate. Like, yes, you should do that for Kara. Um, but she th- sees Monel as the example and thinks that his mother can do that, not realizing that his mother is a, d- a different person who may have different motives for for not changing. Um, so I, I felt really bad for Kara that she had put all this faith in the 
idea of, I don't know, redemption or forgiveness or being able to change. And Queen Rhea proved her false, like Mm -hmm. proved her wrong. And uh, that that was disappointing to see just on, you know, for me on behalf of Kara, I I was sad that Queen Rhea let her down. So I saw someone make the point on Twitter that what makes Queen Rhea such a good villain is she basically turn she uses Kara's strength, which is like the hope in other people and the belief that people can be good, and she turns that strength into a weakness and she uses it against her. That's true. And then you know she basically takes advantage of Kara's goodwill and her good nature and her optimism and her hope that people can be good. And she uses it to basically stab her in the, <laughs> to literally stab her, not in the back, but in the fa- in the front. Um, so I think that's why it, it for me, it's been really, it, it was more surprising, I think, that Rhea didn't have a redemption arc, but surprising in a good way. Because I always really like it when shows don't always go the redemption arc route. I think it makes for a more exciting experience to watch basically a villain just embrace being evil and relish in being evil and not really have to apologize for anything, you know, or, or realize the goodness was inside me all along, (laughs) you know, like that kind of thing, you know, and, and, and and obviously some characters are going to be more gray and have, and not be as quite as black and white um, or bad versus good or, or whatever. But, I always really like it when they, when they just let characters go full evil because it's just it's so wicked and it's so delicious and it's fun. Yes, I would agree. I am more of a let villains be villains people, uh, person, and I I think what works about Queen Rhea and how she is allowed to be so evil is that she also has an aspect of her character that is relatable. Uh, in some mm-hmm. ways, like she, I, I really enjoyed the scene where she tells the story of how little Monel would wrap his arms around her legs so she wouldn't leave the room, and I was like, "Oh, that's so cute!" Because I can totally picture a little boy who doesn't want his mother to leave, and so he he hugs her legs and tries to make it so that she can't move, and how how he would have loved his mother so much, and that she remembered that so many years later that she would recount that story. And I think that that kind of thing is uh, a way to give her a motive that makes sense, but that also allows her to have the softness without her compromising her her villain status. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think you get that a little bit with uh, Lillian Luther as well. Like she sometimes comes across as maybe she maybe she could have maybe been a good mom. We don't know, but she is also terribly evil. So I think that that balance of the character is something that works for me personally because I get the the supervillain status, but I also get someone who actually has a reason for why they're doing what they're doing, mm-hmm. and they don't uh, seem really wishy-washy, which sometimes annoys me um, when I'm watching a show where the villain kind of uh, you know falters into, well, maybe I'm a good guy after all. So I think that that story for me helped out with that a lot. Right. Because they're not just agents of chaos. You know, neither Rhea or Lillian are interested in just causing destruction. And you look at, you know, you look at what 
when they both tap into that softer side of their personality, it's always in relation to their children. So like for Rhea, her weak spot, her Achilles heel is Monel. And for Lillian, it's Lex. And all of their motives, you know, their 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 primary motive is to protect their children or to act in what they think is their children's best interests. And they, you know, and that's and that's most of what leads to them making their villainous choices. But I think it's for me, it's I love that because that's a more complex story. It's a more layered story than a bad guy just running around wanting to blow things up and and hurt people in National City and that kind of thing. So absolutely. And I I like that she has been underhanded like she has Mm -hmm. the way that she has gone about things she tried to get the the bounty to work so that someone would kill supergirl because that would that would make her come out looking okay if monel you know just happened to lose his girlfriend because some bounty hunter took her away or killed her or whatever maybe that wouldn't trace back to her and just oops supergirl would be gone and i guess monel would be able to go back with them so i i like that she is very smart i like that she is a villain who is capable of fighting the hero and wants to fight the hero like i think that's a good villain because that makes supergirl and even if it if even if it disappoints kara and her idealistic beliefs that will make Kara stronger as a character, I think, because mm-hmm. that will make her um, realize that she has to be a lot more careful when she deals with people like this. So right. I, th- I think Queen Rhea, like you said, I think is a good villain because she is layered and because she has uh, so many different aspects to her character that's not just mustache twirling. Although she yeah. does she does that pretty, <laughs> pretty well, too. She, yeah. she has the right amount of camp. Right. Well, and I think the the thing that I like about a villain like Rhea is it also Supergirl's also way more conflicted when there's the villain she has a personal connection to the villain. Right. Right. So like Rhea is Monel's mother, you know, and and she's obviously not really gonna wanna do anything that's gonna hurt like her boyfriend's mom. But I think that's a theme for for me as a viewer that I really liked is when the the villains on Supergirl have a personal connection to her. So we saw like uh, Astra last season um, and even Lillian, I think to an extent because of Kara's friendship with Lena. Right. So like anytime there's a villain where Kara's kind of finds herself in a, in a tricky personal situation and how to handle it, that to me is makes for really good, a really good dynamic. Yeah. And it's, it's much more entertaining to watch for me when, when Supergirl has to to deal with that, even even with Livewire, she has that connection through Cat Grant. So mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah, I would I would agree. I like when Supergirl has that personal dilemma with a villain, and it always seems to be the ladies, um, which is kind of awesome. I don't think she really had that kind of thing with Indigo. She had it a little bit with Non um, when Uncle Non was causing some chaos at the end of season one. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think that makes it much um, much more watchable for me when she does have that personal connection to a villain. Um, and speaking of personal connections and some of the chaos that was going on in this episode, <laughs> Kara not only had to, as Supergirl, 
fight Queen Rhea, she had to, as Kara, fight Monel. She had to physically throw down with him. And I, I, I wondered if this would be enjoyable for you. <laughs> well, and it was a little, I think the trailer was a little misleading for me because, <laughs> because the trailer for this episode, there was a brief scene of, Car- of Carl punching Monel in the face. And I, this was before we got to the musical crossover episode where they, you know, lived happily ever after and got back together, which, bleh. um, <laughs> <laughs> so I was in my head, I'm thinking, well, maybe she's still pissed at him you know, for, she, for breaking up with him and they're coming to blows. But then I was like, well, Kara probably wouldn't do that. Cause she was as frustrated as she gets, she would probably still go off and punch an inanimate object before she would right, hit a right. person. Um, so I, I did think it was the, the, the circumstances of their fight were kind of funny at first, but then it got a little scary because he was, he was so out of control and he was really going to hurt her. Um, and, you know, and then we see Guardian try to step in. Poor Guardian. He tries. He did, he did try. He tri- well, and I, w- I would say he made for a good distraction because then it enabled Wynn to go, yeah. you know, to go and stop the, the what do they call the he was like the alien mind reader or whatever you call it, telepath Some sort or of whatever, telepath, some, yeah. something like that. Yeah. I don't think they ever gave a name, but, uh, so I liked the teamwork aspect of it. Um, but, and I also thought it was interesting that I guess it wouldn't, it would have made more sense. Cause I was thinking he probably could have tried to mind control any of her friends, but I guess it would have made more sense. Cause Mono was probably the only one that could really hurt her, uh, or actually kill her. Right, because he's got yeah. the he's got the superpowers. Yeah. So. Yeah i I thought it was I was conflicted because I think it's kind of it's it's I really I don't want to say the word fun. Uh, what's another word for fun? I'm trying to delete that word from my vocabulary. <laughs> I'll, del- I'll delete it next time. It was entertaining. It, I don't know. It was it was uh. entertaining. I don't have my thesaurus out. I I have it like downloaded in my uh, on my iPad I have like a bunch of flashcards that have have like different words I can use and I don't have that with me right now uh but it was it was entertaining for me to watch two, two super powered characters go at it and fight each other but I was really confused because at one point and this is maybe this is nitpicking but I just I didn't understand this because Monel says that he can't control his body and I was mm-hmm. like well if he can't control his body how is he saying the things he wants to say right maybe it's a physical a physical mind control and not a is it like you well but like even like with his tongue and his mouth and (laughs) that's true i guess that that was a little bit of a uh a plot hole like i mean maybe maybe he just couldn't move like he couldn't control his arms and legs maybe Mm -hmm. i could understand but like even like your your vocal cords and stuff like that's all part of your body. So I, I guess I was really confused about that, but he was able to communicate her with her, which was important because he, he could say like, this is not me. I I don't know what I'm doing. I can't, I can't, this is not me. I'm not making these decisions to do this. So I guess he had Mm -hmm. to talk to her. Um, And I was also, this is another nitpick, uh, but the use of Kara's super speed like really comes and goes on the show. And maybe it's because of budgetary reasons. They can't do certain effects or they could, they can't do certain things because of the story or whatever. I don't know. But 
she didn't use her super speed in the fight with Monel, which I thought was weird. Like that seems like it would be an appropriate time to use it. And then there was another scene after all the chaos has happened and Car and Monel are in the apartment and they're sweeping up the glass. And I was like, okay, if I was a super powered human and I had super speed, I would use super speed to clean my house. Right. Because that's like the worst for me. I don't like to clean. Some people do. I do not. It is very laborious for me. It is not fun for me. So I would use super speed. So I did question, why are you not using your super speed? Like, they, I think they both have super speed. So maybe they just wanted to know what it's like as, as a human to clean your house. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they were trying to say, hey, we're just like you. We, we sweep up glass just like you. I don't know. But like sometimes I'm like... Use, yeah. the, use the super speed, like just just for one second showing her, you know, cl- cleaning up. So that's just a nitpick. That's just a complainy thing. But that stuff did run through my brain. Like, why are they not using that kind of thing in those situations? Um, but I did I did th- I did think it was clever that Rhea's plan was to use this bounty hunter who could turn something on at will and be able to control somebody. Like that I thought was a clever use of trying to get to Supergirl because not only was it a surprise and she could get him get her whenever because she used Monel, that is a personal thing. And so um Kara would be reticent I think to punch him sometimes even though he did get pretty aggressive there at the end of the fight like he pushed her into like a car or something. That was kind of scary because he was he was getting stronger and 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 using it like he couldn't control it. So uh, some of that was very effective, I thought, in terms of Raya's plan. So I, I did like that part of it. What did you think about the? I know we talked a little bit about the the plan where they infiltrate the Daxum ship there at the end for round two of Supergirl's fight with Rhea. What I I was curious about your your thoughts of the uh Martian Manhunter pretending to be Supergirl to get on the ship. What did you think about all that? I feel like they used him really well this episode. Cause first they used him at the DEO. You know, he went toe to toe with the bounty hunter, did a little mind mind meld action and basically like I don't know what he did, but he basically he basically did a mind battle with him and won to get the truth out of him. I was like, yes, go Martian Manhunter. It was funny. I think at one point, didn't Alex say, like, I'm going to go get the, you know, what did she say? Something like, I'll go get the, I don't know, some some device. Like, she was going to torture him. Oh, gosh. And, I, and he goes, stand down, Alex, and then just goes, taps into his head. And it was so cool. I was like, yes, more Martian Manhunter mind powers, please. Um, but yeah, the the fake out. Um, I love that it was Kara's idea to have Martian Manhunter impersonate her as a distraction. Because um, that made that moment even cooler when you realize like it was John Jones holding off all of all of the her little guards. And then she tries to stab him. And of course, it doesn't work. 
<laughs> that was one of the that was one of the best things. And then he turns he turns back into himself. And I was like, Martian Manhunter, <laughs> I love you. I I do also love Kara uh, jumping through the portal to save him. Yeah, because he was because he was starting to get surrounded at one point. And and Rhea was like, kill him. And then Supergirl jumped through the portal and came to his rescue. So I like that. I like that she kind of she kind of is willing to step back and let him have her back. And then when the situation gets hairy, she has his back, too. And then and then I think he had that line because King Largan jumps in and he's and he's fighting Martian Manhunter. And he says something like, we're just trying to, you know, hold on to our family and Martian Manhunter just says we want that too I was like oh they are a family <laughs> <laughs> so that was a nice that was a nice little moment um, you know because I think Largand had good intentions which kind of bothered me like I don't know if I really liked the fact that he was more of like the good parent like I almost I almost wish the show had made him a little more awful to fully kind of emphasize how far Monel has come in his journey and how much he's changed. Like it would have made more sense to me, I think if both his parents had been terrible, but maybe that's just me. No, I think that's a good point. I think, I think that there are valid sides to, uh, both arguments in terms of, you know, showing the, the good parent, good parent versus the bad parent and how they disagreed and how they, chose different sides and I see the uh I see your point in wanting to see like Monel would have been who he was if he had really terrible parents. Mm-hmm. Uh so I, I think that there 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 are valid sides to uh valid points to both sides of that argument. Um but I did like Largan in this episode. I thought Kevin Sorbo did a really good job, especially with Chris Wood in that scene where uh Monel talks about wanting to be a better leader and changing things for their people. I thought that was really, it was a very noble scene. And I thought, you know, in my head, I thought, well, I, I, I want them to have that chance to make things right and make things better. And I think, I think Largan would have been up for it. And I, I think your point about, uh, Kara being the one to come up with the plan I I agree with that. Like I thought that was awesome because it showed that she is not just a, a follower. She's not just taking orders from the DEO. Her mm-hmm. coming up with plans was so refreshing. This was mm-hmm. her idea. She was smart enough to think, hey, let's do that thing where Martian Manhunter pretends to be me. That would be really sneaky. I thought mm-hmm. that was great. I enjoyed that out of Kara in this episode. And I did think that they used Martian Manhunter very well. Um, there have been times on the show, like in season one, where I did not really care for him pretending to be Supergirl to trick some people. Uh, but I did like the way they used him here with that same scenario because it was smart, because it was tricky, because it threw Rhea off. I liked that a lot. The only thing I didn't like the mind meld. I, I, I thought it was weird. I, I mean, I know that's one of his powers and I like seeing Martian Manhunter do his Martian Manhunter thing. But I was like, really? Are we trying to make... Th-? Like, I think Kevin Smith really tried to make that look interesting. I think... <laughs> I think he, it wasn't... Yeah, it was a very... It was a very... That's, minimal. That's, yeah. That's got to be really tough to to figure out how do we visually show this and make it right. look cool. I think they tried to do 
a, and, and they made a good effort. But I was still like, <laughs> it's almost like watching two people out hack each other, like behind a computer screen. It's like, no, that's boring. That's, it's boring. Like, I think one episode on Arrow, they had Felicity hacking so much that the computer started smoking. And I was like, no, stop. That is not <laughs> interesting. Like, you can't just have the computer sparking to make it interesting. So I think that there are some things for me that I'm not personally wowed by. And the, the mind meld, I, if there had been, like, some special effects going on in his mind, like, I know that's really nitpicky because there are budget constraints, I'm sure. But I was just like, oh, that's that's not I, – I don't find any enjoyment out of this. Um, <laughs> but but I, I did think that there was, like, you know, the, the Hitchcock zoom, the, um, the, the way that they used the – um, the the trademark Hitchcock move where uh, basically the how the move is is uh, you push in and uh, uh, pull out the camera at the same time so you're actually moving the camera while you're actually zooming in so th- that is a that is a cool uh, move to use there I just uh, I didn't particularly find that very interesting visually but they they attempted it they made an effort there was an attempt. So I do appreciate it for that. So I, I, I did think the the actual Martian Manhunter stuff was really cool, but the the Jean Mind Mill thing I wasn't as drawn to. But also I should mention that I liked that Wynn got to go on another spaceship. He is he, did. <laughs> he is he's getting to he's getting to have some space time uh this season, so I thought that was fun. That was fun. They're putting him in the field a little bit, so and he's using his skills on his little iPad. <laughs> I was like, he's basically holding a glorified iPad, right? Like, I'm not imagining. <laughs> <laughs> Those are some souped-up apps he's downloading from the App Store. My, I will say I loved the bit where uh, he got excited that Monel quoted Star Wars, because I feel like that's me. He's like, you finally, you finally watched it. And I was like, that's me. Anytime some, I find out somebody's watched Star Wars for the first time. I'm like, yes. He's, he seemed really proud. Like maybe he had been badgering Monel to yes. watch it. Yeah, that makes sense. Because yeah. he feels like he would. And, and it's one of those things where, it, like, I, I actually, <laughs> I know people are probably going to drop on the floor as soon as I say this, but I almost feel like I liked Monel this episode. <laughs> Because they made decisions with him that, I, I mean, but it's frustrating me. The thing that frustrates me is I feel like they could have done the, made these decisions a lot sooner. Like having him, they, having him establish a relationship with other characters. And he, there's a moment when they're hanging out at Carl's apartment. And Wynn says something like, your parents and my dad should meet up because they'd be the best of friends. You know, referencing the fact that his dad is Toy Man. And then Monel has the line of like, yeah, based on what you've told me, that would be, you know, like, oh, yeah, like I would buy that based on what you've told me. So like they've, they establish off screen that they've been having these conversations, which I'm like, this is what we got to be doing earlier. So I yeah. care about him and like to flesh him out more. And even his little bit in the alien bar when he makes the joke to his parents about um, being a mixologist, <laughs> he's like, it's a very noble profession. <laughs> But like you know, he's kind of he's kind of messing with him. He's not really, you know he he doesn't take it that seriously. But he's trying to kind of puff it up for his parents' sake. Um, like bits like that. I was like, he's actually funny, but he's just been so aggravating for so long that it kind of like it makes me it makes me mad that I kind of like him now. Because <laughs> I'm, like, 
like, why did it take so long to get to, we're in episode 17. Why did it take so long for them to get to a point where he's endearing? I don't know. That, that, so that, that kind of bothered me because it felt like, so now you're trying to make him <laughs> more likable where he's not like screwing up all the time. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I think that's an interesting observation, especially with him being uh, a character who interacts with other characters. I, I did like that with, with Wynn, and we've mm-hmm. seen him bond with Wynn a little bit, so that felt natural that they would have had those off-screen conversations, especially about their terrible parents. <laughs> uh, so I, I totally bought into that. And I think what I liked about Monel in this episode is that he reached outside of himself and outside of his relationship with Kara a little bit like he was really sacrificial he was willing to give up his own happiness or for the sake of Kara's happiness which I appreciated and and Kara's life he was he was saving her from his mother killing her and I I like that little bit where he talked to his parents in the unnamed alien bar or the or the unnamed alien dive bar or the alien bar whatever you want to call it it doesn't have an official (laughs) name um (laughs) But what I liked about that scene is that they came in there and they were like, oh, you're a servant. And I, I thought that that I, I hadn't really put that together, that Monel, who was this prince on Daxum who had servants, is now in this position of being a servant to other people and mm-hmm. who, who serves people who has to take orders from other people. I was like, mm-hmm. hmm, they probably have thought about that for a long time. And that's why he is working there and I did not put that together. I felt really stupid. Uh, no, it's one of those things where again, like, uh, it, it, in hindsight, it changes his whole arc. And the fact that he was at the alien bar working, I don't know. And the fact, and also the fact that his parents view it as, you know, a servant role, um, which just goes to show you how things are on their planet. <laughs> They're very uppity. Uh, but yeah, it does change the context of his role and his arc. So that's a, that's a good point. Um, and we also had a storyline that involved Alex and Maggie and Maggie's ex-girlfriend. What did you think about that? Um, I saw somebody say that it would have been, it would have been funny to name her Kate instead of Emily, like as a nod to Batwoman Mm -hmm. because Kate Kane was in a relationship with Maggie Sawyer in the comics. Right. So it'd been kind of fun. And I think she was redhead. So that's why I was like, Oh, it would have been funny to kind of do like, even if it wasn't really her. Um, but I, I kind of liked the Alex Maggie stuff only because I liked that it was separate from Supergirl's story. They kind of had their own little arc going on that was apart from all the Daxum stuff. Wasn't really related to anything else. And I kind of liked that. Cause I'm like, well, it makes sense that Alex, like Alex's life is not always going to intersect with Kara's and everything that's going on with Kara, especially now that she and Maggie are a couple. So there's going to be stories that are, you know, are theirs only. Um, and I also like that the storyline was used to kind of deepen their relationship in a way where they're basically getting to the heart of Maggie's trust issues and why she isn't always honest about things. Um, I, it was really funny though, because Alex, Alex Danvers, you know, she has good intentions, but she doesn't always, she kind of sometimes acts emotionally 
and and does things without thinking like thinking like when she basically chases Emily down and she's like you know she was you were together for five years how dare you you know and she gets she's but she's 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 operating from the desire to protect Maggie and to have mm-hmm. her back and because she cares about her so the the intentions are good but then you're you're sitting there watching going oh Alex honey no <laughs> you, you're mostly uninformed why right, you don't you right. don't know this girl at all yeah exactly you don't know the girl you only you've only heard one side of this of the story. Turns out it's not even the honest side of the story. Um, but I do like that we're getting to, we're getting more to the heart of Maggie as a character. We're getting more, we're diving deeper into why she hasn't been completely honest about things. Um, and I like that they, instead of the revelation of Maggie's dishonesty driving a wedge between them, like Alex was really understanding about it and you, and it, it, it actually to me felt like it brought them closer together because she was like, I get it. You have trust issues because you know, your parents, when you came out to your parents, they basically neglected you. And then ever since then you've basically been on the defensive. And so you don't feel like you can trust anybody. Um, so I I really liked it a lot. I I thought the scene where Alex basically told Maggie like I'm here for you was really great because I I thought just the way that they acted that scene where Floriana Lima was basically crying like she was close to tears the whole time and I was like oh I love I love my Sanders my babies it was but it was nice it was it it to me felt like a very mature very realistic way to deal with issues in a relationship. Yeah, I think you bring up a lot of good points. Uh, I, I, I like the idea that Alex does have a life outside of the DEO and outside of Supergirl, and I think you make a good point about that. But at the same time, I am going to disagree with you because when I was watching the episode, I was like, why am I watching this? What is the point of this? Like, I, I got really frustrated because... I guess it didn't. I guess maybe I was frustrated that it didn't connect to anything. I, I, I honestly, I was a little bored by it. I was like, why am I watching this relationship drama? What does this have to do with anything on Supergirl? Like, I was so not in. Like, I, I was not invested in it for me personally. Um, I thought the scenes were good. I thought the stuff with Alex was actually kind of funny like when she stuck her foot in her mouth she's like okay bye like she she just walked away <laughs> i was like okay she got out of there really quickly uh but and i think it was good progression you know character progression and development for maggie but at the same time i was just like why is this in this episode i i, di- I didn't understand i i guess maybe i'm somebody who likes the storylines of an episode to somehow connect either thematically Mm -hmm. or literally connects like they are storylines that intertwine or there's something that is a parallel to something else. And I just, I couldn't make a connection of why Maggie's revelation that she cheated on her girlfriend of five years it, it is was it supposed to be like a, a parallel to Monel lying about who he was? Like I, I don't know. I was just kind of at a loss at as to why the Maggie Alex specifically this situation was in this episode. Uh, yeah. 
I mean, I agree with you in that, like, it would have been nice to have some kind of story parallel for the Alex Maggie stuff. My, my suspicion is that they probably did it as a way to build the relationship and grow the relationship. So they're like, okay, they're super serious and I get why. My only suggestion, if I had been a writer on the show, and again, I'm not a good writer, the show would be garbage if I wrote for it. But my thinking is, for me, if I am a person who likes stories to connect, my idea would have been to, instead of the storyline involving Maggie's Mm ex-girlfriend, maybe it would have been stronger to involve her parents Mm. In this episode, because of Monel dealing with his parents, that would, yeah, I would uh, agree with that. Maggie, because they talk about Maggie's parents and her issues with uh, her coming out and all of that. Maybe if they had run into Maggie's parents, that could have been for me a little stronger because then I could understand why it was in this episode the way it was. Otherwise, I just felt like I was watching some, you know, I don't know some primetime soap opera like i i didn't understand why it was there but i mean there were good scenes and it's good development for maggie uh especially but yeah i just i was i was not invested i guess yeah. that's a good way to say it i know i've seen a lot of fans kind of clamoring for more maggie backstory because she hasn't really gotten a lot of on screen uh like fleshing out Really, like everything that we've kind of learned about her has been, oh, this is from my past and blah, blah, blah. Um, So I guess in that sense, you know, to have somebody from her past show up and have and have her and Alex have to deal with it as a couple um, was kind of a nice change. But, yeah, I would agree. I think it might have been more effective to for it to be her parents and not an ex-girlfriend. So I guess that leads us to wrapping up some some thoughts. You know, what are your over, overall thoughts about Distant Sun? What did you think about it as an episode? I really liked it a lot. The Daxum royal family stuff it is proving to be more entertaining to me than I thought it would be, um, mostly because of Terry Hatcher. Mm-hmm. Monel is still on notice. However, <laughs> however, if the show continues to put him in an apron, a frilly apron while Kara runs off and kicks butt. I'm okay with that. Like just keep, just keep him at home making breakfast and doing laundry and being the wifey. That's fine. Do you, um, do you ever foresee yourself? <laughs> do you ever foresee yourself getting into the mon neutral range? I feel like, I feel like I, I'm a, I was more mon neutral in this episode, but we'll see because I was, I was, I've, mostly negative maybe a little neutral just because for for this week only because i think the show did some nice things with him kind of uh, making jokes at his parents expense and so like, so as morgan would say there's an upward trend on the mon scale for you i i briefly ticked over into mon neutral <laughs> for this episode but <laughs> he's still unnoticed like he has not done enough he has not done enough to permanently sway me into neutral neutral camp okay um i really liked the martian manhunter stuff anytime they they make more use of him than just standing around the deo makes me really happy um 
Supergirl I love, even though the whole time I was just kind of whispering to her, like, just let Monel go back to Daxum. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> it's it's fine, girl. <laughs> it would save her a lot of trouble. Yeah, it it would. It really would. Uh, but but I did like Melissa Benoist in all those scenes. I always think she does. She, in terms of the emotional range that she has for me, she knocks it out of the park every time. Even when I don't. Even when I don't like. <laughs> even when I don't like Monel, and I'm like, uh, Kara, why? Like she sells it. I mean, she sells. You know, the scene where she shows up at the DEO and she's all drained from the kryptonite. And she's, you know, her voice, there's, there's a moment when her voice breaks and she tells Martian Manhunter, she's like, I can't lose him again. Mm. And I was like, oh, girl. I, I don't know about <laughs> I you. I don't, I don't like I do your boyfriend, but you're, you're still really precious to me. <laughs> I don't know about you, Carly, but I don't think I've ever been let down by a performance by Melissa Benoist on this show. Mm-mm. I don't think she has ever... No, she's like, phenomenal. Been less than stellar as an actress. Yeah, so I mean, I, when I, I even when I don't agree with Kara's decisions as a character, that doesn't change the fact that she's a phenomenal actress. She's completely solid. Like, I, yeah. I agree. She sells it every time, no matter what she's doing. So overall, I think I would give it like a B plus mm. because the Daxon. I liked the Daxon family stuff. I like the fact that they're letting Rhea just go full on evil now. Um, and that'll be fun. Somebody, somebody suggested, I just saw on Twitter, uh, somebody suggested the idea. I think it was Patricia Lowe. Who's one of our listeners. She said, now Rhea needs to team up with Lillian because the two of them together, Cara, Cara would be way in way over her head. If, if, if Daxum teamed up with Cadmus, Oh man! Where, you imagine? Is, where is that episode? I want to imagine that. Right? Episode. That would be that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't think it would. It's going to happen, but it would be really cool if it did. I agree. I for me, if we're giving this like a letter grade, I'd, <laughs> I'd probably be like a C minus. I think I I loved all of the Terry Hatcher stuff, the Queen Rhea stuff. I thought was really strong. Uh, I thought Monel had some good moments in the episode, but yeah, that Alex Maggie storyline, I was like, why is this here? Why is this in this episode? <laughs> so I think that really drug it down for me just because it wasn't narratively cohesive. It didn't, it didn't flow with the rest of the episode, even though I can understand your point of, of how, you know, there's a positive to it, not being part of the, the, the other storyline that was going on. But for me, I think this was one of the weaker episodes of the season, although I did enjoy a lot of uh, the scenes and a lot of their performances. Uh, Well, I think that's going to do it for our discussion, but let's get to finding out what our listeners had to say about Distant Sun. At the Devil's Jackie says, The only good Monel has brought to the show is Queen Rhea. I would fight for her evil army. Hashtag Terry the Queen. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I... I think every time I see her on screen, I'm like, yes, queen, I will, I will bow down to you. She, she <laughs> she's a, just so she, fierce. She's a literal queen. She's an actual queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Patricia Lowe 13 says, I'm not rooting for the villains, but I'm so happy Supergirl has so many strong female characters as villains. At Sally one says, solid episode, not one of the best, but had some very good elements 
especially Sanvers and evil Queen Lois slash Rhea. <laughs> I know people have been calling her Queen Lois, which cracks me up. Evil, evil Lois Lane. Uh, at B Rogers 79 says, I am here for full on e- evil Queen Lois of the kryptonite shuriken. And that precious Sanver scene, everything else, meh. At Jade Mercy says, wish they named the ex-Kate as a subtle Batwoman reference, already has the hair, is Maggie's longest girlfriend, and is from out of town. It's true. Missed an opportunity. Well, (laughs) maybe they're going to bring Kate on at some point. Maybe they're saving the character. I would love it so much. For me, that would be enjoyable just because a lot of the times on the CW superhero shows, the DC TV shows, I get frustrated because they will bring characters on that aren't really adapted properly, in my opinion, uh, that they they don't uh, share much in common with their comic book counterparts. But if they brought in an, uh, an ex-girlfriend of Maggie Sawyer named Kate Kane... I'd be into that because that would actually be mm-hmm. something from the comics. Uh, so I, yep. <laughs> I, I, I know that sounds really like nerdy and really like strict about it, but if you're going to do it, I would, I would prefer you use Maggie's ex-girlfriend with the red hair and have her name be Kate and not what's her face, Emily. <laughs> what's her face? I would, I would, <laughs> I would prefer it be actual comic book accurate. Right. Plus, just the idea of Batwoman on a Supergirl show, I'm just, uh, I, I would be so excited about that. Um, Can you imagine? Uh, so good. It would be well, so good. <laughs> if, you ha- if you have a Bat character that comes on, then that opens up the world a little bit. Then I know. Then, you can, then oh. you can bring other Bat characters on. So I, I would be into that. Especially if you can't get... I mean, the only reason I would say you could argue that Batwoman could show up is if you can't necessarily get one of the more well-known Bat family characters. Right. I mean, we've had Superman now, so that it would imply that we could have a Batman or like a Batgirl. But if, you know, if you're trying to go maybe for a lesser known, then that would be my pick. I think it would be really cool because I don't think Batwoman has ever had a live action portrayal. She sort mm-hmm. of, they kind of did her on Smallville a little bit with the Angel of Vengeance. I mean, it was like, it was basically Batwoman. They just didn't mm-hmm. call her that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that I think that's the closest we've ever gotten to that character being in live action. So I think it would be cool if Supergirl that got that chance to do it. At Dan Danny says, for a baby gay, Alex sure has learned how to lesbian process like a pro. So proud. Tear. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Alex Alex is growing and maturing in the relationship and knows how to kind of be direct without being like blunt, I guess. I like I mean, I liked that she was willing to confront Maggie, but not be harsh about it. Like she was just like, this is I know this about you now and the, you know, and we can, it's not something, it's not, you know, it's not something we can't get past. Yeah. Even, even though I didn't really care for the storyline, I did think Alex handled it really well. <laughs> even though she didn't handle it well at first, she, <laughs> she, she, at the end, at the end, the last scene I liked. That yeah. Though. Yeah. She, she was trying to be really cool about it. Um, even though she put her foot in, in her mouth metaphorically, uh, she did try to do the right thing for Maggie, so I did appreciate that. 
at Chris Fundelinski says, absolutely loved Jean posing as Supergirl and faking out Rhea. More Manhunter, please. At Jordan KWKW says, a Supergirl couple that communicates and discusses all of their feelings slash problems? What? Sanvers are actual relationship goals. I did like the fact that they, because I think a lot of other shows would have had the reveal that Maggie lied about cheating and they would have, you know, they would have used that to drive a wedge between the characters. And sometimes I think it's, it's nice to see the more mature approach where they just talk, they just talk it out and don't get all upset and, and like say, Oh, we got to take a break. You know, I can't trust you. It's like, let's just talk through it. (laughs) Let's (laughs) let's handle this like like adults. adults. Yeah, exactly. Uh, at K.I. Kirk Williams says, I enjoyed the episode and I was stunned with the ending. One word, spectacular. At the glasses are fake says, Terry Hatcher as Rhea should get her own spinoff show, Desperate Housewives of Daxum. I would totally watch that show. <laughs> I, I know. It could be her and Brenda Strong, uh, who is also on Desperate Housewives. That would be amazing. <laughs> uh, at Shop 23 says, didn't Monel say to Kara in episode... Uh, 214 that his dad is a horrible person dude your mom though hashtag, <laughs> st- hashtag stop daxamite on daxamite violence <laughs> yeah i and, don't think that's a hashtag it's a, it's but, a little long <laughs> it's a little long but i like it i, I like where, where your head is uh shop 23 um i i did go back and look monel does say in that episode in episode 214 that his father was quote not a good man and that if he if he saw his father again, he would run. So it did seem like his father was this horrible person who did all these horrible things. But Larkin seemed like a cool dad. You know, like he turned out to be the understanding one who was willing to let Monel choose a, a group of people to be his Earth family. So, yeah, it was very strange that they made him seem... Like he was the bad one when it, act, but I guess that's part of the twist that Queen, Queen Rhea is is actually the the more terrifying one. At Rantasmo one says, "Nice to see President Olivia Marsden again." Still not quite sure what her agenda is. Yeah, we didn't really talk about her. What did you think about seeing Linda Carter again? So, question: Is she a White Martian? Yeah, I don't is think. That, was I don't that think the we reveal? Know. I don't know. Okay, I don't know. It's, People, it seemed like that was going around because at the end she shapeshifts again and kind of looked like a white Martian, but kind of not. So I wonder if she's someone different. I wonder if it's a different alien than we've dealt with, which I think would be more intriguing. Me too, me too. So she did have a fabulous updo though. That last scene where she's 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 on the conference call with John, I was like, Marston's working the updo. Like she looks really, <laughs> she looks really good. <laughs> uh, at Madtown Davidson says, I thought that was a good episode. I've been Monel negative lately, but I might be moving back towards Monel neutral. Yeah, the Monel scale scale is a uh, seeing an upward trend. <laughs> uh, at Mary No Lamb says, I like that Rhea is a straight up mustache twirling villain. I dislike how much time slash story Monel has weirdly been getting. At Evil is Answer says, just me or was all the dialogue in this ep way more clunky, cheesy, and cringy than its usual tolerably charming state? I didn't know anything was 
especially bad about the dialogue, but I think there were some moments that, you know, somebody like Terry Hatcher really cranked up the, 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 the cheese factor or the, the camp factor. So that might have made a difference, uh, but it was fine for me. Yeah. I don't know. I, th- I actually thought there were some lines that I really liked. A lot of them were Rhea's lines, I think. But but Kara also had that really great... I loved that line where she said, she's like, I'm the girl of steel. I don't bend. I don't break. I don't stand down for anyone. Yeah. It's like, that's a good line. So maybe it was a little cheesy. I was like, I don't know. I like it. I like cheese. <laughs> <laughs> At Kyle Lucas says, Sanders and the Daxamite family were perfect. I decided to ignore Car- Caramel. It makes less sense after every episode. We talked a little bit about it during the live uh, crossover about how they basically got them back together within another episode. So it was like, it was probably really confusing for people if they didn't watch the crossover and tuned in. If you, if you had watched Supergirl only, they basically went from breaking up to Monel making Kara breakfast in bed. (laughs) Yeah, that really doesn't make any kind of sense. It's so, and then even on the previously on, made you realize how how ridiculously fast it was they're getting back together because it was like i forgive you like and you're like what (laughs) (laughs) that's true wait wait, what yeah i'm still like i said he's still on notice for me yeah but how how cool is it i thought it was cool at least that terry hatcher got to do the previously on i thought that was was awesome i it was also nice that she slapped monel i'm just there (laughs) I, I appreciate it. I think I was watching at home uh, and I, and it came out of nowhere and I just went, Oh snap. <laughs> I was not expecting it at all. I can, I can understand where that might be cathartic to some people, but I, I do have to remember that that's parental. It's a, it's abuse. It's, it's bad. It was not yeah. like, I, I was like, okay, that that's cold. But then I was also, <laughs> I was, I think part of it was the surprise of it. I was yeah. like, Oh yeah. God, like what just happened? It did kind of come out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, at Chris Fendelinski said they focused on the Legion ring again. Do you think they're hinting at bringing in the Legion at some point or just teasing us? I think they'll bring in the Legion. My hope is that they're building towards a Legion, either formation or Monel joining them. I don't know, but I, I, I don't think there's uh, I think that there is a reason that the Legion ring was shown again. At super Mick underscore L says, wow, what an amazing episode. Rhea is hardcore. Action was amazing. Love Monel and Kara. At coffin Roman says queen Terry. OMG, the president. Also, it really stands out how mature Sanvers is as a couple. They're beautiful. At TV Freak in a Box says, I'm calling it now. Monel will die in the finale at the hands of his mother. See, I I don't think that at all at this point. Although they did talk about Romeo and Juliet, uh, which is not, that does not (laughs) forebode well. That's Uh, not a good relationship (laughs) metaphor, Monel. Why are you? (laughs) That's that's not something uh, that they really should be uh, foreshadowing or talking about. But... There were instances where I thought they were foreshadowing Rhea's death because Rhea says to Monel, I would rather die than leave Earth without you. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, Monel says to his parents, He says, This is the last time we'll ever see each other. So mm-hmm. I, I took that as something's going to happen to Rhea. She, yeah. She's not going to make it at the end of the season. 
Maybe Monel's gonna kill her. I don't know. Uh, some, 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 something is not gonna go well for her, which is probably not a really great prediction because she is the villain. So she'll probably. Get I know. I know. I love her though. It's she's so much fun to watch. She is. The same reasons, pretty much the same reasons that Lily and Luther is so much fun. I think. Yeah. Uh, at the underscore flyby says for a supposedly dude centric women objectifying planet, Daxon queen Lois Lane sure seems to rule <laughs> that particular roost. <laughs> the only, the only thing I would say in response to like women objectifying, like I know my had that line about, Oh, you know, I used to be able to objectify women on Daxum. Cause I, I mean, I almost took that to mean like, he was the spoiled prince who felt like he could do whatever he wanted, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Daxum is like a misogynistic planet. It just means that that he behaved. He that got way. he got away with stuff because he was and 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 he said that before we found we found out on the show that he was the prince. I mean, I know we had speculated about that long before. Well, but you, you did. Yeah, let's but, let's be correct. Well, I we as a show, I I include <laughs> you, I include both of you in that. Um, <laughs> But I took that to mean that he basically felt like he could get away with whatever he wanted because he was the spoiled prince. And so even though you have Rhea, who is a powerful female leader, like she probably either didn't know about him behaving poorly against women or she knew about it and just didn't really care because he was her son. And she, you know, she was like, whatever, he can do what he wants, you know, like that kind of thing. Like, I don't know if she necessarily. So that's my only that's my only thing about that. I 100% agree with everything you just said. <laughs> uh, and we have an email from Ange who shares a speculation about how Terry Hatcher and Dean Kane could share the screen again, writing, quote, as for Hatcher and Kane, I have an idea. Let's say the Cadmus allies itself with the Daxamite. Sort of an enemy of my enemy is my friend deal. Daxam mm. will help cart all of the aliens off Earth maybe even enslave them. Daxum wants nothing to do with Earth. They'll leave once Monel is in tow. So Cadmus won't mind allying with these aliens. As a result, there is a scene where Rhea will be talking with Lillian and Jeremiah will be there, unquote. So I think that's a good idea, Ange. I do think that if we will see Terry Hatcher and Dean Kane on screen, it will have to involve Project Cadmus at some point. I do think that the smart thing for the show and this is this is how again if Rebecca Johnson was writing the season I would have the cuz the first half of the season was Project Cadmus and dealing with Lillian Luther and then the second half of the season seems to be the Daxamites and Queen Rhea so if it was my show I would combine those two and have them like like mm-hmm. Ange says to team up somehow to go after Supergirl to meet whatever end goal that they each are going after. Right. So I I think that's a good speculation and something I I'd be into watching. That would be I love it. A lot of people have suggested that that they would think we could have a team up and I think it would be awesome. Uh, we have an email from Susan who writes, quote, very excited that Lena will be a regular next season. My theory, fantasy, is that she will be a new version of Kat. Feeling a bit guilty for giving Kara the advice that got her fired from Catco, Lena will start an online publication of some sort and hire Kara. Think of the fun. Kara will be back to having a pseudo mentor or friend at work who does not know she is Supergirl 
Imagine how great the scene would be when Superman finds out she is working for Elcor. It also might set up some tension with Alex, who thinks Lena is evil. The weirdness of scenes with James in the office, which only seem to take place so they can use the sets, will go away. Snapper can evolve to become a rival. Maybe he will even snap at her one day, end quote. That's the dream. I, I love that idea, <laughs> actually. Like, I, lo- I would love that. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think if Lena's going to stick around, she needs to show up a lot more often and we need to see her regularly in some kind of repeat occurrence. So I think either Kara goes to work for Elcorp or Lena takes over at Catco. I think those are the two options and I think either of them would work, but uh, I think it would be cool to, I don't know. It'd be weird. Like if they if they did want to keep using those sets, would it be weird for Lena to be in Kat's office? I don't know. Mm. Maybe they could redecorate it, redress it. Yeah. But then you would. They could probably, probably redress it. You you might lose the. I I would I would be upset losing the monitors though the wall of monitors. <laughs> but uh. But I but I think that 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 could be a, a possibility for season three. Mm-hmm. Well, before we wrap up this uh, feedback section, I think we should do some, sp- I, I'm, what I'm calling the super speed uh, questions now, because lightning round seemed to be a generic title for these, and I wanted it to be Supergirl related. So until someone sends us something much more clever to call the lightning round questions, I'm going to go with super speed questions. Um, <laughs> and I should make a correction because I did something boneheaded last time in the google docs because what i did when we started doing lightning round questions was that i set up a separate google doc and i copied everyone's questions in there and sourced them as to who sent them and last time i copied the wrong part and associated the wrong question with the wrong source and so i fumbled it up so uh my big apologies uh, to uh, Mary, Mary Barney, who actually sent us the, the super speed questions for last time, and I attributed it to someone else. Uh, actually, I attributed it to at Truffle Munchies on Twitter instead of Mary, so my apologies to Mary for that. I'm sorry I mixed that up. I, I copied, copied and pasted the wrong thing. Um, but we do have some questions, of, and this is I, I'm pretty sure this is correct this time. Uh, we do have some uh, questions from at Truffle Munchies on Twitter. Uh, so, Carly, let's do some uh, uh, snap judgments here. Okay, so the first uh, uh, speed round, super speed round question for this time is the return of Mr. Mistyas Pitalik or the Music Meister. Who would you pick? Uh, you know, Mistyas Pitalik. I would go Mistyas Pitalik. Okay. Uh, hang out with red kryptonite Kara or drunk Kara? <laughs> uh, drunk Kara. I, I would go drunk Kara. Uh, which event would you rather see happen soon in Supergirl? <laughs> Snapper car snapping or Lena turning evil? Uh, Snapper car snapping. Snapper snapping. That's, that's just, that's a no brainer. Uh, Alex Danvers in action with her alien gun or the kryptonite sword? Uh, I want the kryptonite sword. I would also go kryptonite sword. Uh, and this one might be a conundrum, uh, at Truffle Munchies tells us Cara Danvers, the assistant or Cara Danvers, the reporter. Uh, 
if done right and well, Cara Danvers reporter. I wish there was a third option. Uh, <laughs> but if I had to pick out of two, I would go Cara Danvers, the reporter. All right. Well, thanks uh, at Truffle Munchies. I'm pretty sure I, I did this right this time around. Let me know if I didn't. Um, and uh, thank you uh, for the listeners who do send us those questions. We always need, we, we enjoy them and, and need them for every week, every episode that airs. So if you want to send us some questions, feel free to do that. Um, but that's going to do it for our listener feedback section. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. And I think what we're going to do with the emails, because we've been getting a lot of really wonderful but long emails, and it, it's it's hard to read some of uh, your emails in full on the podcast just for time, I think what we're going to start doing is posting uh, some on the website uh, with permission from all those who send them in and uh, so that everybody can read them and everybody can respond to them. So we'll, we'll start doing that on supergirlradio.com. And if you would like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play and iHeartRadio. And we have become a literal Supergirl radio on Spotify, so definitely check out our playlist. And uh, we are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com forward slash dc-fans. We are available on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you have time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write a review. Thanks to S underscore McCain, who left us a review on iTunes. And we are part of the DC TV Podcast Network, so if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, DC Films, and classic DC TV shows, you can subscribe to our DC TV Podcast Mega Feed and follow at DC TV Podcast on Twitter and like DC TV Podcast on Facebook. And we're still trying to work out the Mega Feed. We're still having issues with it. Uh, still trying to figure out what's going on. So just in the meantime... If uh, if you would like to just subscribe to Supergirl Radio, but we're still put that out there. If you would like to um, follow DC TV podcasts on Twitter and Facebook, those are good ways to reach us. And as far as reaching us, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Derby Kid. That's D E R B Y K I D. I'm also on Instagram at the Derby Kid. That's T H E D E R B Y K I D. I um, get inspired to take some pictures for my gram every now and then, so you can see my pictures there and. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash duckmilkprod. And I finally got my stuff together and uh, have started my Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice video series. I have um, an introductory uh, video up right now. And I also have a video. It's a, it's a, a good 30-minute long video on the cinematography and sort of my favorite shots and some of the motifs and uh, things that I th I think about in in terms of the way the movie was shot and it was actually to my surprise I woke up this morning and it had been shared by Larry Fong the cinematographer on Twitter and that was kind of awesome 
and I have so much stuff to pimp this week, uh, so much stuff <laughs> to plug. Um, but I was also a guest on Trentus Magnus Punches Reality, which is uh, one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, Trentus had me on to talk about the first three Harry Potter movies. So if you're into Harry Potter, which I know a lot of our listeners are because our Sorting Hat episode was seemed to be a fan fra- favorite. So if you want to go hear me talk about the first three movies, uh, uh, he has the first two um, released so far. Those are episodes 191 and 193. So go and check those out. You can find me on Twitter at my name, Carly Lane. Uh, I am currently writing over at Nerdist and Sci-Fi Wire. I will be, uh, I'll be working the Supergirl beat for (laughs) Nerdist. So, uh, I have a piece that my first piece for them on Supergirl actually just went up today about this week's episode and about how awesome it is that Supergirl lets its female villains actually be evil. Full on evil, no redemption arcs, please. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, um, aside from that, uh, I don't know. I've kind of fallen down on Tumblr again. Not really on there much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm only really going to use this as long as I can maintain interest in it. But it's really not. Uh, it's not that entertaining to me. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you, can, gave, you, you gave it a shot. You, you can still follow me there. I'm at Facebook's. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of more of a casual observer. Like I drop in occasionally to see if there's anything that looks cool. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll share that. But for the most part, I'm kind of falling down on it again. <laughs> well, you gave it a good go. I appreciate yep. the effort. I made an effort, valiant effort. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to hang out for a quick spoiler section, we'll be doing that after our theme music. But until then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Carly Lane. And remember that the girl of steel doesn't bend, doesn't break, and doesn't stand down for anyone. Danvers, I have some information for you. He's killed two people. two people. Are you trying to get me in your crosshairs, Miss Danvers? Oh my god. Who else has seen it? The truth is what matters. Supergirl. All new episodes return Monday, April 24th on the CW. And we are back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. The next episode is called Ace Reporter and will air on April 24th. So it's coming up, but it's not coming up for a couple of weeks. Um, And we don't have an episode description for this episode just yet, but we did get that trailer. Uh, Carly, did you see the trailer? Did you have any thoughts about anything we saw in the trailer? I did see the trailer. I don't remember much of it. It seemed like it kind of, it was very fast. (laughs) It was cut together very quickly. I think there's only really one image that, uh, seems seared into my memory, and that's 
Kara and Lena sitting side by side with like Kara putting, is it Kara putting her arm around Lena? And she's just so. kind of holding her a little bit. I was like, aw, that's sweet. Uh, I mean, we know that basically, I guess, uh, Raul Coley is, is playing a guy who's essentially like Lena's ex. And it seems like, I think I, I think I, re- I recall a brief shot of them sharing a smooch. I, yeah, um, I believe that is in there as well. So seems like, seems like he's going to come back into town and, and mix things up for Lena a little bit. So it'll be fun to get another kind of Lena related episode, which is what I always like. I agree. I think that's what I'm most excited for this episode is getting to see more Lena and maybe learn more about her past and, and getting to see the friendship develop between Kara and Lena, I think is, especially if Lena is going to be around in season three, I think it's really important that they start showing some of that. And maybe if that little moment in the trailer is like them bonding over something, maybe, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's, you know, boy troubles or whatever. I don't know. But uh, I think that that kind of thing is important for us to see them be friends. So I, I am interested in finding out more about um, Jack Spear. Mm-hmm. I think is how you say his name. Uh, Raul Coley is, is supposed to be playing uh, a charismatic tech genius who has spent decades working on a medical innovation that will eradicate major illnesses and change the face of the world. If it works. So he seems like he's a, a go-getter. He seems mm-hmm. like somebody who maybe wants to do some good in the world. So I'm very curious to to see his interactions with Lena and why Lena has been mixed up with the, with him. And uh, we do know that Snapper Carr is going to be an ace reporter. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm very curious as to what his role is going to be in this episode because the title is Ace Reporter. And we know Kara is not reporting anymore. She's not even she's not even blobbing on Danvers.com at this point. I think she <laughs> I think she's fully given up. So I'm very concerned about Kara's like motivational dire- does she have a direction? She seems right. to not be doing a lot to fix her cer- her circumstances. So I wonder if this episode is going to change anything for Kara and her her destiny as a reporter. Can I just say I wasn't I wasn't here last week when we talked about the news that Katie McGrath is going to be a series regular for season three, but I'm so excited that Katie McGrath is going to be a series regular (laughs) for season three. I'm just, I'm really looking forward to it. I think Lena has been one of my favorite new additions to the show. So I'm psyched. I'm psyched for it. Yeah. I hope that they will utilize her much better in season three. I think some of the scenes that we've gotten with her have been good, but Mm -hmm. I think as a fan of Katie McGrath from other TV shows, I mean, Merlin, especially like she's, she's got some things she can do. She can pull off a lot of stuff. So I would like to see her be given some material that lets her really do some, some acting and really stretch herself. So I'm hoping we get to see some of that with her in season three. Right. Uh, Well, I think that's going to do it for our spoiler section. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we'll be back with a new episode discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.